Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Alex. Why don't you, Alex, a hand and say thanks? Well, welcome. It is week four of 2022. You've made it this far. 91.5% of the year to go. Oh, this is a shield. Thank you. I'm going to shoot an arrow in church today. You got more chance of getting stabbed by an arrow than catching COVID this morning. So, both incredibly high. No, I'm joking. We're all fine. Why don't you turn the person next to you, smile with your eyes or with body language? Does anyone smile with their eyes now and no longer with their mouth under the mask? Like you've learned how to, yeah. You don't even need to fake the full emotion anymore. It's just half of it. That's fantastic. Um, I'm going to preach this morning in a second. I just want to encourage us. Um, It's been an awesome month. We had Paul, Pastor Nat bring our first two parts of our hot summer Sundays. We had our anointing service on week one of the year. Next week, we have our uh, ex-senior pastor. He retired three and a half, four-ish years ago, um, and he's back next week preaching it up. He has been given the topic of Father God Cuddles Us. No, not really. Um, No topic. We don't roll that way. So I'm excited for next Sunday. Make sure you come along to that. But I just want to encourage us at the beginning of a new year um, to consider Um, the new thing that God wants to do, not just for us together, but you individually. Even to the point, at the very back wall, we have three big signs. Shout out to easysigns.com. No, not really. (laughs) Product placement. Thank you, Paul. Can you do that again? That was beautiful. That arm work. The price is right. Um, Where we have our four steps, gather, connect, serve, lead. We have our 12 codes, which Alex mentioned uh, before. And we have our mission statement as a church. And I want to encourage us, before we get into the Word today, to consider what your next step is for 2022. Don't allow um, last year or perhaps the year before, part two and part three of 2020. uh, One, two, three. We have multiple parts of 2020. That's what happens, right? Um to take away what God has spoken and promised over your life. He is not done with what he has already promised and he is continuing to speak over you what he has called you to do and to be. So I want to encourage you, maybe ask that you would prayerfully consider what step God is asking you to take. Maybe it's to start a connect group. Maybe if you've been volunteering for 15 years, it's to become a department leader and lead one of our church departments. Of our current 11 church departments, four of them are led by someone that leads two. Of our current uh, connect demographic pastor positions, three of them are fulfilled by me out of five. Um, I want to encourage you to consider what God wants to do through your life, not just to play someone else's part, but to play your part, to ask God what he's asking you to do. And then as Paul encourages Timothy to throw yourself into it so everyone may see your progress. Consider your part to play. And maybe this morning God will uh, give you a new dream, a new vision, or remind you of something that you are called to be faithful with today. But... May you not repeat your last year. May you hear God's voice and step out with boldness. Can I get an amen in church? One last thing. Can you smile 
and turn to the person that you didn't turn to before, that you neglected? Can you give them a smile? Shame on you. Um, Joey, you can stay up until I pray, but we're going to get into the key scriptures of this morning. I would like to welcome everyone listening online. Come to church, wear a mask, you'll be okay. Um, and everyone listening to our podcast, you're great as well. I uh, am going to bring us around Ephesians 4, verse, uh, sorry, Ephesians 6, verse 14 and 15, 16 and 17. We're going to look to our screen. That key scripture is going to appear. It says this in Ephesians 6, verse 14. It says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth. Everyone say, belt. Anyone get hit with a belt growing up? Yeah, how fun is violence in the home? Um, Buckled around your waist with the breastplate, everyone say breastplate, of righteousness in place and with your feet, everyone say feet. Can you move your feet for me? Why don't you just move your feet around? Is anyone disgusted by feet? Normal people? Good. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet are not actually fitted with the gospel of peace, they're fitted with the readiness that comes from it. So we'll get into that maybe another time. Verse 16 says, In addition to all of this, it's a mass addition. Hmm? Shout out to Ed Sheeran. Uh, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pastor Nat shared 63 verses last week, so I am going to share these four and then move on. No, we've got more. Um, Shout out to Pastor Nat. I know you're watching online. He just got swabbed this morning, uh, so he's sitting at home relaxing, living just the bachelor life at home. He's probably, I don't know, he's watching this and probably watching Fear Factor. or I don't know what the other husbands do when they're home by themselves, but it's normally that for me. Um, The Scripture gives us an image of the armor of God, often... um, Maybe kids' church taught you this. Maybe you've heard a message on the armor of God before. And often we think of ourselves as a single soldier um, with this equipment to protect ourselves so that we don't die. Um, The purpose of armor is not to uh, protect you. Uh, The purpose of armor is so that the whole army is protected and so that the army wins. It is not an individual race you are running anymore unless you are no longer a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. You play a part in a bigger picture. And no matter how isolated you attempt to make your relationship with God, Jesus is unable to be decapitated from his body. If you want a relationship with Jesus, uh, you can't say, I'll have a relationship with me and God but no one else, because you'll find yourself in heaven surrounded by all the Christians you tried to avoid. I mean, they'll be in a different room in the great palace that God has prepared for you. They'll be in the dungeon. No, uh, is there dungeons? I don't know. Um, A good mansion has a good dungeon, I'm just saying, from my experience. Okay. But Ephesians uh, 16 and 17 gives gives us a picture of us being equipped with a shield of faith, um, not for the purpose of decoration, but to protect something behind it. And what we're promised is 
Tom, can you come here, bro? You just hold this mic for a second. I'm not going to shoot you, but I need nearly shoot Alan through the back. Uh, can you just hold this near my face? Yeah, cool. Um, I just want to make you a bit nervous. Um, what we're promised is that the shield of faith will protect us from the flaming arrows of the evil one. In um, I can take it now, bro. Thanks. I'm equipped. Um, what we're promised, um, what would actually happen in ancient warfare is at the beginning of a battle, what they would do was they would shoot flaming arrows from all um, different directions. It's cool. It's not going to go anywhere right now. It'll go somewhere in a second, don't you worry. We have an apple prepared and we're going to put it on Florence's head at the back and we're all going to have faith that God will protect her. Um, it's all fun and games until there's danger, isn't there, with your faith? Huh? Yeah, I believe. I trust Jesus. Do you? Let's get some snakes in here and get bitten and see if we really believe Matthew and Acts. Um, imagine, host, release the snakes. And they can now we're a Pentecostal church getting bitten by snakes up in here. Um, let's drink some poison. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a scripture. Um, they would shoot flaming arrows um, at the enemy with the purpose to create fear. So a, 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 perhaps a Roman soldier in first century would have a shield, have their sword ready in a battle. And what would happen is they would shoot these flaming arrows from all different directions to create fear. And hopefully, with them being flaming, they would perhaps even catch their shield on fire and cause a soldier to drop their shield because who wants to hold a burning shield. We all remember stop, drop, and roll, and you don't want to have a burning shield in that process because you'll roll around in the fire. Um, and what happens now towards the church, corporately, not just individually, if anything, more corporately than individually, is the enemy shoots arrows from every direction to get you to drop your shield. And Tom, come here for a second, bro. Yeah. Let's see if this arrow thing works, hey? We'll shoot it. Yeah, yeah, hold this. This looks safe enough, eh? Can you move that? I reckon Tom should stand there and I should shoot it just between his knees. Oh, some people with some faith up in here. Thank you, Tom. Can you help uh, reestablish everything that are uh, good? Moving, great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And what happens today is we still have a, honestly, a promise. A promise that the enemy is going to attempt to shoot flaming arrows at us. Perhaps those things are lies. Perhaps those things are... Gossip, perhaps those things just cause your imagination to run wild and catastrophize. I suggest to you that the thing that extinguishes the flaming arrows is the truth of what faith is. 
that faith declares a different normal, a different certainty, a different unseen. And that when we hold up our faith as the army of God, we win, not because we are fighting our words, our sword against the other sword, but because we simply have faith that no matter what the enemy attempts to fling our way, that our God is still the God that Psalms describes as the God invincible in battle. So let me pray for us this morning. We'll get into this thing. We've got some story time. We're going to let Joey rest his beautiful little fingers. But let me pray for us this morning. Holy Spirit, you're here. And we are not interested in the flaming arrows of the evil one. We're interested in what you say over us. I'm going to say that again over you this morning. We are not interested in the flaming arrows of the evil one. Disappointment, discouragement, lies, fear. Jesus, we are interested in what you say over us. So we ask this morning that your voice would be loud in this place that it would transform and change us, and that every flaming arrow that is attempt to disorientate, confuse, disappoint, and cause us to drop our shields would be extinguished this morning as we unite together as your army. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Joey. You may be seated. Time for some stories. In the first century, there were things called Aesop, Aesop fables. And what these fables were, were they were stories using animals to describe human things. And maybe you're a dog lover and you still do that. And you talk to your dog and you think your dog understand, like, and you plan your year with your dog and you sit down and you say, what are we doing today? And, and then you whisper sweet nothings to each other. Um, but what would happen is these stories would be told to equip people to understand a bigger truth. And one of those fables is called the lion and the four oxen. And what would occur is this lion would prowl around in a field which was the home of these four big oxen. It would prowl around and attempt to attack them, attempt to destroy them, attempt to kill them. And what would happen is every time that this lion came in ready to attack, ready to dismember, ready to destroy these oxen, they would make their tails align. In other words, they would go back to back to each other in the middle of this field so that no matter which way the lion attempts to attack them, the lion would be met with one of the horns of these oxen. The lion would attack continually, again and again, attempt to kill these oxen, but because of their unity, because of this decision to go tail to tail, they were safe. But one day, the oxen began to grumble amongst themselves and be upset with each other. Perhaps it could have been because the last attack, someone didn't do something they were meant to do. But the oxen would fight amongst themselves. And it resulted in each of the oxens going to the corner of this field to live by themselves to go off and do their own thing. And then what happened is the lion came in and attacked them. This time, instead of going tail to tail because of where they were situated, because of what they had done, the lion killed them off one by one, eventually 
killing every single one of them. What this gives us, this fable, is a truth that danger is a byproduct of disunity. That when we attempt to do our journey alone, we place ourselves in a danger, a real significant danger that may have seemed real before but wasn't real because of the unity that we had. In uh, the first century, the Roman army was amazing. The Roman army historically is probably one of the greatest armies of all time. Obviously today, if we're comparing some drone strikes against them, they might not have done too well with their shields and bows and arrows. But for the time and the technology that they were using to fight, they were an astounding army. They're amazing soldiers. And one of the things that occurred uh, inside of the Roman army was a thing called the testu, test-to-do formation. And what this formation was, was that those uh, close combat, those soldiers that had swords and shields, is when they went into a fight as a group together, the front row would hold up their shields uh, and interlock them with each other, like one shield next to one shield next to one shield to protect them. And then the second row and the third row and the fourth row, what they would do is they would hold their shields up like this. It is. Overhead to create a roof. So the front row would protect from the front and the, the second, third, fourth row would create a roof. And this formation was there and in place so that no matter what arrows or perhaps missiles, people throwing rocks or boulders or stones was thrown at this group, the front row would protect them from the front. The second, third and fourth row would, would protect them over roof. So they would, and, and it would even go to the point where those perhaps on the side and those on the back would be able to put their shields up this way and this way and that would create a Ninja Turtle style turtle shell to protect them from arrows. They wouldn't be able to move very fast if those were on the side, but the, the goal of it was to protect and extinguish any arrows that were thrown at them. So you can imagine if arrows are shooting every single direction and all of the army is all over the place being like, I got my shield, um, we can do this, um, is a very different scenario when people are surrounding you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Um, then every soldier partners together and creates this shield wall. That's what it was. It was a wall of shields to protect against every single attack. In the same way that the lion and the four oxen teaches us that uh, the danger is a byproduct of disunity, this shield wall teaches us that safety is a byproduct of unity. That something occurs not just when a soldier stands by themselves ready to take down the enemy, but when a soldier stands arm in arm, shield in shield, ready to take and to do corporately what the army has been asked to do. And this morning I want to, uh, the sermon title this morning is simply this, that your shield is for your neighbor. That maybe the faith that God has given you is not simply for you. And I would suggest even further and declare very honestly that the faith that God has given you is not just for you. It is, if anything, it is mostly not for you. 
that your job as an ear in the body is to be connected to the rest of the body. It is not good enough to just hear. It is to be united so that when you hear, the hearing results in something. It's not good enough to just be like, I'm the feet. I'm the person that does the, the walking in the body, but you're just some feet wandering around like a great episode of Law and Order SVU. Like, it's, it's not enough. Your job as a part of the body is to fight for unity. It's to use your shield, your sword, your helmet to actually be a part of something bigger than yourself with a purpose greater than yourself. As we approach Vision Sunday, as we are in a new year, can you please prayerfully consider what you're meant to be using your shield for? Who you're supposed to be holding it up, who you're supposed to be standing next to and fighting with. The church uh, loses when we fight all of our individual battles but fail the mission of the local church to reach and to save and to bring reconciliation to that which is lost. And maybe at the beginning of a new year, you can sit down with your little book and write your little New Year's resolution. This year, I'm going to lose 65% of my weight. Or this year, I'm going to skip for two minutes every single day like a beautiful, happy, free boy, which I've started. That I'm going to drink three litres of water by 3 p.m. or four litres of water by 4 p.m. or five, six, seven litres of water by... Se- it's just numbers, aren't they great? Seven, the Lord's number. You can set all of those resolutions and typically uh, if you look at generations, if you look at uh, like millennials, for example, millennials jump around job after job after job because they're desperately looking for a purpose. They're desperately looking for perhaps an organization or a group of people that serve something greater than themselves, social justice, a change. They want to be a part of a solution. We don't just want Qantas to give us good flights. We want them to make comments on things. And the millennials are looking for purpose. So they'll jump from job to job to job to job in a way that perhaps the greatest generation 1920s wouldn't do but what happens is millennials are jumping around from from thing to thing from thing from thing from thing because they're desperately not just looking for a cause they're looking for their people the church is supposed to be a place that is not united around an individual purpose as in yours as in i want to join the host team so that one day the chairs will be so straight everyone will die and go to heaven. No, that's not the goal. Um, that we have all these, indiv- oh, one day, if I go on BVs enough, then one day I'm going to worship lead and I'm going to open my mouth and everyone is going to have feathers. The feathers are going to fall. And it's like, we can all have these weird individual that it serves our purpose. Our, I want to volunteer because give, it's better to give than receive. And as long as I feel good, it's going to be a great decision for me. The church is supposed to be a place that lets go of our own agendas, takes up our own individual cross, carries it for the mission of what Jesus came to do, destroying the works of the enemy and building the bride of Christ. Church, this morning, your shield is for your neighbor. Maybe millennials need to be reminded if you're a millennial up in this place that don't, or maybe all of us, we don't need to set our little goals 
for the purpose of we're going to, this is my year. It's not your year. Don't make it your year. You'll get to the end of this year and be like, yay, it was my year. Me, 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 me. Make it his year. Make it our year. Make it, I'm going to hold my shield up for my brother or my sister next to me. I'm, when the enemy throws arrows at them, I'm going to speak faith and truth over them. I'm going to remind them of what God has said and I'm going to extinguish every arrow that the enemy attempts because I'm a part of something bigger than myself. Can I encourage you, have some goals to use your shield for someone else. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 uh, says this. Alan's going to make it appear on the screen for us. It says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. It doesn't say two are better than one because company is nice. It doesn't say two are better than one because two like Pokemon and they can talk about it all the time. It doesn't say two are better than one because they both have the same political uh, persuasion and believe the same things. They don't say two are better than one because the two believe that masks have microchips in them and we're all getting tracked. And it's not two are better than one because the government is tracking you so they know when you went to Rockman's and they can they can be like, oh, we know when to market to them because they love Rockman's and Suzanne. It's not because we agree on certain things. The reason why two are better than one is because of the return that happens for our work. The reason why your shield is for your neighbor is because the goal is not individual victory. The goal is individual sacrifice for corporate victory. The goal is infamous of soldiers, perhaps in our army or other ones throughout history, that give the ultimate sacrifice and they play a part in something greater than themselves. Even the American Civil War had roughly 500,000 casualties most of which were on the south side and didn't end too fantastic for them. But each of those soldiers gave their life to be a part of something that they believed to be truth. This morning, church, your shield, your unity is for the benefit of what God wants to do, not for the benefit of what you perhaps want for today. God has always been interested in playing His game and His plan and he has not been interested in playing others. He's actually not a God of plan Bs very often. Your shield is for your neighbor. The question is why? Why is this important? Why is this necessary? And it's going to appear on the screen. The reason why this matters is we win the right battles. When we pick up our shield for our brother and our sister, we stop playing the wrong game and we start fighting the correct battles. We actually start being like, oh, the purpose of 2022 is not that I would have an increase of 4% of my annual income. It's not that I would spend less time watching Netflix and more time with my family. The goal of 2022 is to bring heaven to earth with the rest of the body of Christ. It's to bring light to the darkest places with the rest of the body of Christ. It's to speak truth where lies have been spoken in a connect group with the rest of the body of Christ. When we pick up our shields, when we fight for our neighbor, we win the right battles. Salvation occurs and healings occur and revival happens because we, we, our, our agenda is clear. We pick up our faith and we march forward together and we win 
the right battles. If anything, we win the right battles because we stop fighting with each other. The greatest way for the church to lose, uh, there's a a quote um, that says, um, every civilization died by suicide. That it wasn't the enemies that killed them, it was that they imploded. Is that they got too prideful or too arrogant or too stuck in their ways and they imploded and the civilization ceased to exist. All of us in this room want to win the right battles, but it doesn't happen, as Alex shared with us this morning, based on our feelings and our emotions. It doesn't happen based off your last interaction with a brother and sister in Christ. It doesn't happen off our day-to-day. It happens through a conviction to make a decision to pick that thing up, to stand together, to unite around what God has asked us to unite around, and to win the correct fight. Maybe you came to church this morning serving in a department. You're like, this is how we're going to win. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do my checklist and the che- I'm going to tick that, tick that. Or oh, that person said they cleaned the toilets, but they weren't too clean. Um, and I play my part and that's, no, no. Let me say it again. Your part isn't to do something. Your part is to unite together. The doing of something can happen. Very important. Ears hear, mouth speak, nose smell. Great. Belly button, sit there. I'm not sure what you do. But well, I do know what a belly button does. It splits up my six-pack. Um, that's what it does. Um, it's very disrespectful laughing in church. Um, we don't win when we dishonor the pastor. I'm not joking. Um, but your part is to unite together. The question is, how united are you with the person in front of you right now? <laughs> It's been said like, um, yeah, me, front row. <laughs> yeah, all of you, me, I'm in front. Um, throughout the years, um, different people have moved to our area really passionate about church unity. And the attempt normally is the way that the churches will get united is they'll attend a prayer meeting together, they'll pray, and then like everyone will shut down their denominations and all go to the entertainment center and worship God together. Um, that doesn't happen. Um, we, we might book the entertainment center, three and a half grand, maybe seven grand if it's not a regular booking, uh, or go there together. Uh, but attending a prayer meeting with someone, attending a church with someone, attending a connect group with someone does not make you any more united with them. A geographical location does not do that. What does that is an open heart. Uh, so uh, the unity that I have with the other youth ministries or young adult ministries in our city is not founded upon the event that we'll run later this year. It's founded on did we talk in the last week? Is it how we prayed together? Is it when was the last time we sat down and talked about our own journeys with God rather than our own agendas of what the other person could do to serve us? And the same is true for you in this service this morning. How united are you? Like really, do you know the battle that your person next to you is fighting? And do you know what battle they're choosing to push off to the side to stand together and fight for a common good and a common cause? Do you, do you talk about it? Or are you like the, the typical Christian where we, as long as we tick like the main 10 beliefs, like Trinity maybe, or, or like what happens on Judgment Day or, or what the millennial reign, like you, you get enough beliefs and you tick them together and you say, we're united. We're not united. We're political or something. United happens with heart. So my encouragement for you this morning is if we want to win, Taking up our shield is actually extremely important. 
Acts 2 verse 45 is one of the coolest verses in the Bible because it's so fascinating to our modern Christianity. And it says they sold property, speaking of the early church, and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It's speaking about the revolution, which was the early church, not Christians. It was described as those in the way. It was people that would follow Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, and did radical things like this. And what would happen is people would hear about these groups of people, not that would uh, quote the 613 Old Testament laws and not shave the sides of their beard and make sure they don't mix polyester with cotton, that Jesus created a new way governed by a great commandment of loving God and loving people. And these people would meet together in these homes and they would do this. They would give everything they had for the benefit of those sitting around that table with them. And that it was a community founded not again on individual success, but founded on individual sacrifice. That what could I give to help you? Please, how can I help you? Not what can you do to serve me or how can we negotiate for a win-win and meet in the middle? How can I sacrifice to benefit your need? Oh man, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Like that's the, I remember talking to Pastor James um, at the end of second lockdown I was like, what do you think after, you know, people walk with God for 10, 20 years that they experience, I don't know, nine weeks of online service and they question everything that they believe? And he said, the church always has to be careful when you create a culture that is your vision, your dream, your purpose, because when push comes to shove and it's more convenient not to do something for your vision, your dream and your purpose, people soon walk away. And the church is not supposed to be a place that serves your vision, your dream, and your purpose. The church is, of course, supposed to be a place that sacrifices your dream, your vision, your purpose, your thoughts, your desires, your sin, your shame, your life, your career, your relationships, your entire life for the purpose of simply knowing Jesus to give it all away with no strings attached, with no, I'll do this, Jesus, as long as you do this. No, I just want you. Let me remind you again, maybe church, you've forgotten that. Maybe you've thought it's a new year. What do I need to do? What, no, what sacrifice could you make as Acts 2 describes so that we win rather than you win? We've covered what we need to do, kind of. Like, we need to pick up a shield. We, we've covered why it's important, because it's how we actually win. It's how we stop fighting amongst ourselves. It's so that we stay safe. I want to give you simply the how of how to do this thing. You ready for it? It's really complicated. It's this. Focus on the fight. Just focus on the fight, church. Just focus on the fight. 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 If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write down, focus on the fight. If I haven't made it clear, it's kind of important right now. To focus your attention on the fight. Not to focus your attention on what you need or what you want, but to focus it on an agreed upon fight that you and the soldier next to you can both agree on and say, we are going to take that mountain. My family needs Jesus. Can you stand with me? And I'm going to fight with you so that salvation would happen in my family, in your family, in every family, in my neighborhood, my street, the school that my kids go to. 
every corner of our city, every situation right now that is domestic violence or broken homes or drug and alcohol abuse, we are going to stand together and we are going to focus on that fight. And when a flaming arrow attempts to come and tell us that we should be doing something else or we should be fearful, we are going to get together with our brothers and sisters. We are going to hold up our shield of faith and we're going to move forward. And when any, any arrow comes and I get a little bit of fire, no, we'll hold up our faith, the flaming arrow will go out and we will keep on fighting together. That's the only thing you need to do this year. You don't need to get an absolute point one, two, three, four, five, six plan on how to achieve each one of your habits and your goals. What you need to do is talk to someone next to you and say, we should fight together rather than against each other. Why don't you just find someone in the church that you disagree with about some things and get over it? Wouldn't that be a great idea? What if, oh, oh, here's a really good one. I love this one. This is my favorite one at the moment. When someone in the church hurts you, do you know what is so good? You should get like really self, like, you should just get really defensive and you should be passive-aggressive, and you shouldn't talk about it, and you should be moody, and you should, I don't know, sit by yourself and be like, oh, they hurt me, oh, they're so mean, they're so, what lies, the child. That's what you should do. That's a really great idea. Definitely do it. It works every time. Like, I've watched it. Hundreds and hundreds of people I've watched take that approach when someone hurts them to pick up their shield and protect themselves from the person next to them. It's really successful, this is sarcasm. There's, there's amazing truth that happens where Jesus gives us just the correct things to use for the correct situation. Do you know, every single person in this room will be hurt and probably by the person that lives with you. <gasps> That's you. <gasps> oh, John and Alex fighting? Yes, always. Keeping it feisty. Um, Every single time this works, every single time, every single time, every single time, forgive them. It works. It just works. And if you don't forgive them, you die. And they die. And the arrows come in and we fight against each other and we lose. Focus on the right fight. The right fight is not that you're right. The right fight is to win the battle. The right fight is to see a city change. The right fight is to see that high school saved, to see those principles transformed. The right fight is not to attend your workplace and play some glorified sim city where you come over here and you, and you like play church and then you go over to your workplace and you play a role there and you go over here. No, it's to see the people in your workplace saved, healed, restored to God, discipled, established, and then doing it all over again. That's your goal. Your goal isn't to get along. Your goal isn't to, you have an issue, so you go to HR and gossip about someone. Get over it. Forgive them. Be bigger. Focus on the right fight, church. Pastor Benai is going to come back in two weeks and preach. We'll come around Vision Sunday. We'll talk about this year. A part of my New job profile is strategic planning. So there's lots of plans that we have that we'll be talking about this week. And you might like some of the things, you might like some of the things. They're not for you. They're not for me. They're not for our senior pastors. They are to bring what God has asked us to bring as Celebration Church into 
this four walls, our hour and a half, but also every workplace that is represented, every family that is represented, every neighborhood, every street that is represented, every supermarket that is visited, every takeaway that is visited too many times, it represents what God is asking us to do. So we have to get focused on the right fight. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, as we conclude this morning, Giuseppe, if you could come up and play that beautiful creamy guitar. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you perfectly uh, be perfectly united in mind and thought. Beautiful. impossible like that's pretty hard right the person next to you have a look at them even if you're married to them look them right in the face can you be perfectly united with that person in everything that you say okay no more disagreements ever about anything not where we eat not who's our favorite worship leader Not, is Converse better than Vans? A bit Vans better than Converse? It's not, is a vegan lifestyle a good decision? Like, there's just nothing. No disagreement. Not which cryptocurrency we should invest in this week or how to give ourselves the perfect bowl cut. We can't disagree on anything. Nothing. In what we say. No, stay there, bro. And perfectly united in mind and thought. Not just what we say, the internals have to be completely united. So, no, like I hold my tongue because it's not worth fighting this fight. Well, I'll save up my tokens and I'll beat them in the next one. There is only one way to do it the answer is not Jesus. Well, the answer is always Jesus, right? Yeah. It's 11-11, legs 11. It is a continual decision to say my shield is for my neighbor. My faith is to hold up here and to hold up here and to hold over here and to hold this way because the enemy is not going to stop flinging his flaming arrows. He's not going to cease. It is his strategy to create fear, disorientation, upset, discouragement, and disunity. It is his plan. And he is very good at it because the church is often very disunified. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about every congregation. How do I know that? Because 80% does 20% of the work. That's disunity. 
I know that some of us feel that we give through serving, not through sitting next to someone and listening to their story and encouraging them. Or that we give through finance, not through serving on a team, or we give through this. And what happens is we all do these little parts, disjointed, chaotic, but what misses is what God is only interested in, which is he doesn't want you to do something for him. He wants you, and he wants his body to want each other. To be like, I want what you bring to the table. Please speak up because I need to hear what you need to say because it shields me from the enemy's arrows. I need you to lift up your shield because it creates safety for me when you hold up what God has given you to hold up. I need you to speak. I need you to hear about my struggle. I need you to hear about the thing that I've been holding out on for years and there has been no answer. And I need you to pray with me. I need you to remind me. I need you to text me at 7 a.m. at the beginning of my week and tell me that God isn't done yet. I need you. A congregation is not winning because of how united they are simply to the senior pastor's mission. A congregation is winning when they will deny themselves and simply take up their cross. They are winning when instead of, you don't all need to grab your shields and get around me. And I stand there like, I don't know if I could do it. No, we all need to do it for each other. Your shield is for your neighbor. Let me finish with this last slide, this last simple thought. Hit me up, Alan. We are all in danger when we have any unraised shields. Most people, when they respond to God, uh, respond out of probably one of two reasons. One, fear of hell. um, Or two, um, the revelation that you have a loving Father and that He accepts you. Uh, both cause you to deal with your sin, but both for two different reasons. And what happens with um, when we simply have a loving Father, not a fear of judgment or a fear of a consequence to our actions, is that maybe we can fight our individual battles and be like, yeah, God loves me. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to run my race with perseverance. I'm going to do this thing. But even if for a little while I just go, I might, I might just sit my shield here. And just wait a little while. We think God loves us. He'll forgive us. Of course he will. Like he'll show unconditional love to you. But that's not. He loves everyone, bro. Like, Like you on your worst day, he loves you the same. So the measuring stick of just being like, oh, he'll love me. We'll get through this isn't enough. So when we have an individual view that our shield is just for ourselves, that's what happens. But when you realize that you put your shield down and your brother gets shot, mature Christian, you put your shield down and the new Christian gets shot. Connect leader, you put your shield down and your people get shot. Older person, you put your shield down and the young person gets shot. Young person, you put your shield down and a veteran, a pillar in our church gets shot. We put our shield down, our senior pastors get shot. We put our shield down, the next generation gets shot. It just... Alan, take me back to Ephesians 4. It's like a thirsty Merc song. Take me back to... Uh, Ephesians 4, key scripture, slide 1 and 2, bro. 
Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Keep going. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith, sorry, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish, extinguish, everyone says extinguished, there's a stank on it. Um, You can extinguish all, 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 all. Not yours, all. Every one of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Oh, my shield's down. We're all going to die. Um, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. A promise from God with your shield of faith is that you are equipped to stand firm. Yes, put on a belt. Yes, please. Take up a sword, have your helmet, put your breastplate in place. Yes, yes, yes. Gospels, uh, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Yes, 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 yes. But if you've got all that on, no arrows get extinguished. But they all get extinguished, everyone. Everyone for your neighbor. Everything that the enemy has gets extinguished when we take up our shield of faith. Give me that last slide one more time, Alan. We are all in danger when we have any unraised shields. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes this morning as we finish. The oxen didn't have to die. They just had to keep on uniting together with every attempt, whether it be some practical one of a lockdown or it be some spiritual one in your household, maybe some medical one in your family, maybe an emotional one in your own head and your own thinking. All of these arrows coming, shooting, and us frantically trying to act like we have some 360 shield, just trying to hold on to Psalms where he tells us that there's a fortress and a shield and protection, but in the New Testament, he equips us with a shield. He gives us something to do with our faith. This morning, church, I just want you to stop and consider perhaps you have a responsibility that should not be neglected. Perhaps the person next to you has a responsibility for you, but that's not your concern. Your concern is, will I pick up my shield for my neighbor? There's people in this room that are more discouraged than they ever have been before. It is not the responsibility of just their connect leader just a pastor with a microphone or just 
someone leading a service to stop and speak that encouragement. It is the responsibility of every soldier to look after the welfare of their brothers and sisters so that the battle can be won. Maybe you're the most disappointed, the most discouraged. You've forgotten the promises of God. You need to partner together more aggressively. You need a three or a four or five people to stop you from listening to those lies. And they need to surround you with their shields. And you need to fight forward and let every flaming arrow be extinguished. This morning, we're not going to have an altar call. There's not going to be a song of worship at the end. I just want you to consider to take seriously your shield and stop defaulting to Sunday school that it's you against the world. It is not. You're a part of a mighty army, a glorious family. You have been adopted in and you have an amazing father, but you have a captain, you have a general, you have someone that is calling you to war. And the war is serious. It is not whether you have to wear fabric on your face or not. It is whether someone's eternity is secure in their father or not. That is the war. The war is the most broken and hurting, the lost. That's what matters, church. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you have graced us, you have accepted us, you have forgiven us for such a time as this. That we are not here standing by chance, that you have anointed and you have equipped us to stand together for the benefit of you and your kingdom. I pray that war would bubble up within us a willingness to fight, a willingness to go again, a willingness to take that mountain and to overcome. And more importantly, I ask God that there be a spirit of a soldier on the inside of us to give up ourselves to play a part in something bigger, to be a part of a formation, to be a part of an army, to be a part of a generation that does something radical, bringing heaven to earth. So help us as we reflect on that this week. I pray, God, as we consider next steps, opportunities, things to do in 2022, that we wouldn't just work harder, that we would work harder to be united. May anything that separates us, may we be willing to let it go for the benefit of you, Jesus Christ. We thank you for everything you're doing. I pray over our church family this week that you would be with them. They would stand together. I pray anyone discouraged, they would open their mouth and ask for some encouragement. Anyone that is struggling with sickness, that they would ask for prayer, for healing. Anyone that's discouraged or disorientated, that they would ask for some faith and some grace from their brothers and sisters. We thank you that many of the miracles that we pray for are sitting right next to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said... Everybody said... We're still Pentecostal at the end of this thing. We shot an arrow in church today. A snake. No, just kidding. Okay. Have an amazing day. The hospitality team is back in full swing. If you're new, grab a free coffee. Please support our team out there. They've been out there sweating over fryers. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. If you need anything, come and ask. We're here to do life together. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.